the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. See, and here's why it's so important. What you believe about God and His Word determines how you will behave. Always. Always. That's why church is not to... For you to feel good or me to feel good or to, or to have man-centered gimmicks that attract people. It's to learn about God. What you believe about God affects the way you live. That's the Christian life. So if we allow ourselves to be constantly exposed to lies about God and who He is and what He says, we'll also need to be constantly on guard against letting those lies worm their way into our minds and start to seem like the truth. It'll wear us down. Since God expects us to handle His Word accurately, doesn't it just make sense to go to a church that teaches it accurately? We'll consider that today on Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff finishes up his final sermon in this series on spiritual separation. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And Verse by Verse is how we bring these practical messages from Lakeside into your homes and cars. Our text today is 2 Corinthians 7.1. But in our last class, Pastor Steve quoted from Romans 12.1, which says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. God has been merciful to us beyond what we could ever have imagined. In light of that tremendous mercy, Pastor Steve asked the question, How can we sit in a church service with non-Christians and listen to blasphemous things about God? Well, the obvious answer should be that we can't. Now here's Pastor Steve to continue at that point in the discussion. So what should we do? Not only should we separate from worshiping with unbelievers out of gratitude to God, that's the primary reason, but there's a secondary reason. Look a little bit further in verse, seven, in verse 1. rather. We should also do it for our own spiritual health. It's for God's glory to be thankful for him, but it's for us as well. Notice, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. In light of these great promises that God has made and fulfilled in our lives, Paul says, now you have a responsibility. You have a specific responsibility. Out of gratitude to the Lord for his mercy and grace in your life, he said, then you are to cleanse yourself from being contaminated by false religion. Cleanse yourself. Now, it's interesting that the way this is worded, it is our responsibility. It's not God's responsibility. The Lord didn't say, I'll do it, in the sense that you have to do nothing. Now, ultimately, it's God who cleanses us, but we have the responsibility to do something about it. And ultimately, it's the Lord who who, uh, gives us the power to do this. But it's not something that you just sit back and say, it will happen if I pray about it, or if I seek counsel about this, or if I just wait on the Lord. It's not happening then. You have to do something. And this is the main point uh, Paul is making in this verse. We, we want to stop 
now, and we want to examine this. We want to make sure we fully understand what he's talking about and how it applies to our lives. The Greek word that Paul used that is translated defilement, it can be translated uh, contaminate in the King James Version and New King James Version. It's translated filthiness. It's only used here in the New Testament. This one time, this, this precise form of this word is used only here in the New Testament. However, it is used three times in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but if you didn't happen to speak Hebrew and you were in the Greek-Roman world, you'd be in trouble. So there was a translation made from the Hebrew to the Greek language, just like we have translations in our English language. And three times in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, this word is used. In each case, it refers to religious defilement from worshiping other gods. It is always used in the sense of religious defilement, never anything else. And that is precisely what the Corinthians were guilty of. By going to the pagan temple at Corinth, being involved in the worship of false deities, they were contaminating themselves. They were becoming spiritually filthy, which is what that's all about. In what way or ways were they being contaminated? Look at the verse again. Let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement, he says, of flesh and spirit. So there are two ways that we defile ourselves if we are involved in false religion. We defile ourselves in a fleshly way, and we defile ourselves in, in spirit. Now, what does he mean by that? Defilement to the flesh means exactly what it sounds like. He's using flesh here in the sense of the body. It means that involvement in false religion can lead to sinning against God with our bodies, specifically in the areas of sexual immorality as well as drunkenness. Certainly, that was the case at Corinth. In fact, let's look at that chapter 6 of his first letter. I mentioned it before, but let, you need to see this and you need to grasp what was going on here as preposterous and as absurd and as ludicrous as it sounds to us, this really was taking place. Verse 15 of chapter 6, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. I mean, Paul is saying it's, it's just absurd to even think such a thing. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. And then he says, flee immorality. Just get away, run from it. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. The worship of pagan deities caused the Corinthians to defile their bodies by having sexual relations, Paul tells us, with prostitutes who were at the temple who were considered sacred priestesses. That's what was going on. And it is a well-known fact that ancient pagan rituals of worship always involved such things as drunkenness and gluttony and sexual perversions. And, and by the way, that goes on in the world today. Just because we tend to be a little isolated from it here doesn't mean that it's not going on. When Michelle and I were in India uh, some years ago, we were told that uh, in uh, uh, Hindu temples, and I'm not saying this happens all the time, but the priests do sexually perverted things with children. That's, just, that's a known fact amongst the, uh, the people. Is it legal? No, it's illegal, but lots of things are done illegally that uh, are, are just common practice. That stuff goes on. And even today, there are many uh, cults that have some type of, uh, of fleshly 
immorality going on with them. Because why? Because false religion and cults, which is all really, which are all really the same, they pander to uh, fleshly appetites. In fact, um, a more modern modern example of this is the uh, is Mormonism. One of the initial attractions of uh, to early Mormonism was polygamy. It attracted a lot of men. It attracted a lot of men, lustful men, who could now justify their lust behind the cloak of religion. It got sanctified. You can have as many wives as they want. I don't think that was pure theology. It's lust behind that. But someone, someone may think, you know what, Steve, I, I appreciate this, it's just, but it's just history to me. It's irrelevant for me. I'm not going to defile my body because I, I go to a Catholic church or I attend a liberal Protestant church. You know what? You're probably right. You're probably right. But Paul didn't say that false religion only defiles the flesh. Remember, we said there are two ways it defiles you. Notice he said, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. What does he mean by that? False religion doesn't only pollute your mind, it pollutes, or it doesn't only pollute your body, rather, it also pollutes your mind. That's what he means by spirit. The spirit of man, where we think, where we develop ideas, uh, that, that part of us, that immaterial part of us where we, we think through issues. You see, and this is where it's most dangerous for us. Exposure to false religion has a negative effect on your mind. It plants thoughts in you that are erroneous, that are false, and that are even blasphemous. It causes confusion, and, and it, uh, it causes spiritual instability. In fact, I think it's even a dangerous thing, and I know people um, like this stuff when there are debates. You have a believer and you have an unbeliever, and uh, they debate over issues, some theological issue. I, I, I would just warn you even about those things as I've tried to think through that, and it's becoming a little more clear in my mind. I think that's very dangerous to expose your mind to that. Why? Because the debater, the unbelieving debater, he's not just anybody. He's a professional. He's the best that that organization has to offer, and he's out to capture your mind. Be careful about that stuff. We were asked to have a debate here at, uh, at Lakeside on some issue of that, and I, I turned it down. I don't want you to be exposed to that kind of stuff. This pulpit is for the proclamation of the word of God, not here's error and here's truth and take your pick. We don't do that. In fact, look with me, will you, at 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. As godly a man as Timothy was, Paul warned him about this very thing. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 15. Here's what he's supposed to do. Be diligent to present yourselves approved, or present yourself rather, approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Timothy, you're to work hard. You're to present yourself to God as someone who works and, and isn't ashamed. How do you keep from being ashamed? The last phrase, accurately handling the word of truth. Timothy's role, as is every minister's role, is to make sure he expounds the word of God accurately and truthfully. And then he says, now you're to be involved. Your ministry is of the word. Notice verse 16. But in contrast to handling the word accurately, avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. He's not talking about going to a party and hearing people talk about what's on TV that week. What he's talking about is the empty and worldly chatter is false doctrine, false religion, error. That's what he's talking about. That's the context here as we go on to see. He says it's going to lead to further ungodliness. It won't just stop with you. It will spread. 
And he said, their talk will spread like gangrene, like a cancer, cells multiplying and multiplying. And then he mentions uh, two men who were involved in doctrinal error. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and they upset the faith of some. He's talking about doctrinal error. There were these two men, most likely elders in the church at Ephesus, who were teaching that there is no future resurrection. It's already taken place. It's over with. That's it. And Paul said, Timothy, I don't want you to even discuss that. I don't want you exposed to that. I don't want you to have a debate with them. You handle the word of God accurately. You expound it to your, to your people. So Timothy was to avoid exposing himself to false doctrine because it would lead, Paul said, to further ungodliness that would spread like gangrene or cancer. And folks, that's exactly what we have to do ourselves. You, you want to grasp from this. You want to understand that if you participate with unbelievers in a worship or teaching situation, or I told you being uh, together with them in an, even in an evangelistic crusade type of deal, where the Bible is not worshipped or taught, you will be defiled. There's no question about it. Constant exposure to errors about God and his character, about Christ, about the word, about the atonement, about man's nature, about marriage, about morality, eventually it will wear you down. And it will always cause you to be inwardly defiled, mentally defiled, and in many cases it will push you to abandon biblical morality for immorality and debauchery. That's the nature of the beast. That's the way false doctrine works. It's not in a vacuum. It will affect you negatively. See, and here's why it's so important. What you believe about God and his word determines how you will behave. Always, always. That's why church is not to, for you to feel good or me to feel good or to, or to have man-centered gimmicks that attract people. It's to learn about God. What you believe about God affects the way you live. That's the Christian life. So we want to make sure we believe accurately the truths about God. That's why believers who are still involved in false worship need to be cleansed. They're being defiled. Constant exposure to demonic ideologies pollute our minds and in some cases even our bodies. So how do we cleanse ourselves? That's the real issue. How do we cleanse it? Paul said, cleanse yourself from this defilement. How do you cleanse yourself? The answer is very simple. Notice Paul didn't even clarify it here. He didn't tell you how to cleanse yourself. Why? He's already said it. It's the whole heart of the passage. He said it in verse 14, do not be bound together with unbelievers. The way you cleanse yourself is stop being bound with unbelievers. Come out from their midst and be separate. Get out of there. Make a clean break. As painful as it might be, make a complete break with all religious alliances with unbelievers, even if it disrupts family issues. That's that's what he's teaching. That's why I don't need to even clarify this. He's already said it. He's just making an application here. And remember this, not only does it benefit us spiritually to cleanse ourselves, but primarily the main reason we cleanse ourselves is out of gratitude towards God who has blessed us and been so kind to us. How can, you, how can you sin against his grace? There's something more. There's something more. Therefore, he says, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilements of flesh and spirit. Notice this, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. This last expression, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, means that the pursuit of our lives is to be holy, Christ-like in character. 
see, when you are grateful to the Lord for his mercies and blessings in your life, then your response is not just to walk away from error, but in walking away from error, you advance in the truth. You walk in holiness, constantly in holiness. That, that expression, perfecting holiness, might lead you to think that Paul is talking about perfection in this lifetime. That's not what he means at all, because you and I can never achieve perfection in this life. That's not what the, this phrase means, and it is a, it's an impossibility. We can't be perfect in the sense of sinlessness. can't be done. It can't be done. I, in fact, Michelle and I were just at a conference recently where a man came up to uh, us after and uh, told us that he believed you could be perfect in this world. He said that, and you always know when you're at a conference and you're in trouble when somebody says to you, um, do you agree with this or um, what do you think about this? What they're usually doing is telling you what they think, and they just want you to nod approval. Or don't you think that, and so this is what this man believed, that you could achieve perfection. I was reminded about the great Charles Spurgeon, who was at a conference and someone uh, preached on that, that they could achieve uh, a perfection and sinlessness in, in this life. And Spurgeon decided the next morning at breakfast to teach them a lesson. And so he poured a, a whole bottle of milk on their head. And the response indicated that that person had not achieved <laughs> sinlessness and perfection. But what does Paul mean by this? If if he doesn't mean perfect holiness, what does he mean? The thought here is is that we are always in the process of moving closer to perfection. The word perfecting actually means... Uh, literally to complete or to finish or to bring to the to the goal. And in the Greek language, it's in the present tense. So it means that we are always to be moving towards the goal of completing holiness. The standard is always perfect character like Christ. That's always the standard. We don't lower the standard because we say, well, I don't think I can ever achieve it. No, we, like Paul said in Philippians 3, we are always pressing towards the mark. We are always straining. We are always moving in that direction. And that's, that's the thought here. We are always to be moving towards the goal of completing holiness. In other words, Paul is telling us to grow spiritually, keep moving forward, keep pressing on towards the goal of complete Christ-likeness. That's how Paul lived his life, Philippians 3, 12 through 14. It's the same, same thought. And we pursue this holiness, he tells us, in the fear of God. That ought to motivate you. The fear of God is not that you're in terror You're terrified by him, not that you're cowering in the corner, not that you're even afraid of him. The the fear of God in this context means that you're in awe of him, that there's such a reverential, deep, profound respect that you have for the Lord that you want to grow in him. That's what he's talking about. That's your motivation for holy living. You know who God is. You not only know how kind he is to you, but you also know that this God is an awesome God. And therefore, you want to grow in him. Now, this is Paul's final appeal. And it's the final appeal that that we have unless we review some of this in weeks to come. But this is the last we'll hear about this. And so we need to deal with this in our own lives. Let's bow for prayer. And let's think about this, the ramifications in your life and in my life. The Corinthians did not understand the danger they had put themselves in by not breaking from unbelievers. What about you? Are you in danger of that? Are you involved in some religious alliance with unbelievers? If so, you are in great danger. You are in danger of losing your 
your passionate love for Christ and his word. You are in danger of worshiping idols and demons. You are in danger of being contaminated with blasphemous error. You are in danger of being a useless Christian. And God commands you to separate yourself from any of those associations with false religion and then to pursue holiness. Are you doing that? Are you pursuing holiness or is something holding you back? Maybe you're being contaminated by other things in your, in your life that ought not to be there. That's possible. It's not what Paul is talking about here, but certainly that's a broad biblical truth. Is there anything that you need to walk away from? And in walking away from sin, will you walk towards holiness? Are you more like Christ today than you were, let's say, a year ago? If not, then there's something contaminating your life. Whatever it is, you need to cleanse yourself from that. Make a clean break. We need to get serious about following Christ. He's been so gracious to you, and that graciousness demands only a response of obedience. Anything else is unacceptable. And if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you should know that there's a promise for you in the Bible. And that promise is found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you, died on the cross for your sin. If you see that and understand your sinfulness and understand that Christ was paying the judgment in your place, and you turn from your sin, and you turn to Christ to save you, forgive you. And the Bible says you will have everlasting life. I urge you to do that. I urge you to get alone with God. I urge you to seek his forgiveness. If you'd like to speak to somebody about that, one of our leaders will be here at the front when we close the service. But I want you to know it's not necessary that you come forward in a church and speak to a, a leader. Only if you need clarification. If you know you're a sinner and you know Christ has died for you, then you just get alone with him. We're not looking for you to make a decision so much as we want you to be converted. So you get alone. You speak to him and seek him while he may be found. Father, pray that you'll take your word, not only today, but Lord, this whole passage, this whole series. And I pray that these words will live in our minds, Lord, that we might understand the danger of this. In an age, Lord, where compromise and ecumenicism is so common, we pray that we might not only know the biblical perspective, but obey the biblical perspective. And Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, how kind you have been to us. Can we do anything other than respond by cleansing ourselves and perfecting holiness in the fear of God? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I hope you won't wait another moment. And if you have made that decision, but you're maybe struggling to survive spiritually in a church that doesn't teach biblical truths, I hope this series has helped you make the decision to find a church home that will help you grow in Christ. George Whitfield, probably the most famous preacher of the 18th century, said, The reason why congregations have been so dead is because they have dead men preaching to them. How can dead men beget living children? Hmm, good point. If you're listening to dead men talking, it's time to find a live preacher. 
You've been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Find out more online at lakesidechapel.com or call 727-441-1714. By the way, that's also the number to call if you'd like a free audio CD with the entire message Pastor Steve just finished. Ask for message 643, Spiritual Separation, Part 5. The phone number again is 727-441-1714. Another way to listen is to stream or download individual broadcasts from the Message Archive page at versebyverseradio.org. Messages are listed alphabetically by series title, but we like to have the current program right at the top of the page. And then there's the giving page where we make it safe and easy to help us cover the expenses of airtime and production. We couldn't do this without listeners like you, so thank you. That web address again is versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. I hope this series has been helpful to you as we've tried to make this often misunderstood passage easier to digest and apply. I hope you can join us for our next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve begins another series of Scripture lessons. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.